0: Welcome to the Life podcast. Welcome, Nathan. It's great to talk to you today. Uh, Nathan Gebhard is with Road Trip Nation, and I'm talking to him today about um, an incredible bit of work he's doing, and most of it is about figuring out what to do with your life and find a sati- finding a satisfying career. So, Nathan, do you want to tell me a little bit about Road Trip Nation and what, and what the promise is of this um, thing that you've started?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think um, I think what the promise is, and what it was when we started, are are um, interesting things. I think the the probably first and most important thing is to say that this was not a uh, business that we had intended to start. This was not a big plan to do something um, really elaborate. It was really this place of just utter confusion and graduating from college and not quite sure the life we were leading was the one that we really felt was true to who we were.
0: Right, something I think a lot of people can identify with in different, at different stages of their life but particularly outside of college.
1: Exactly, so yeah I mean we did this We did a road trip in 2001 where we just thought, if if we don't know what we want to do with our lives, let's interview people that have already figured it out and ask them how they got to where they are. And that simple idea really has evolved into what Road Trip Nation is today, which is still very closely connected to... Um, these deep and meaningful conversations with people that have built livelihoods around the thing that are interesting to them, that matter to them, as opposed to conforming to the social, uh, cultural narrative that exists out there. Um, I think it really centers around authenticity. And so if if I were to say what is the promise of Road Trip Nation or what is our goal, it is to help people define their own roads in life, um, to build careers and livelihoods around the, the the world of uh, interests that they have, and to really live out an authentic life. And we do that by collecting stories from people all over the world and sharing those stories so that people can gain insight and then create their own uh, way forward.
0: Well, I've long been an admirer of your um, PBS series, Road Trip Nation. And um, what I find interesting is, I was reading your bio, and it talks about how, at the beginning, Um, you were told over and over again that being an artist would leave you homeless and penniless. And what's interesting is, what I'd like to also explore is sort of what the difference is between when you started this, probably in 2001, and now, which it seems a little more acceptable to go your own way. Do you think it's becoming more, um, more accepted to... Find your way in life, or do you think we still have a lot of the same barriers of well, you have to get a job outside of college. You've got to start, you know, all the adult quote things you have to, that are expected of you. Or how do you think things have changed or not changed since you started this? Hmm.
1: I mean, I think the certainly the world has changed in terms of um, the way we find our work, um, the idea the idea of career is very, very different than it was um, when we started. I, I think, or not the idea, but the practice, the reality of a job. I think, um, you know, 15, 20 years ago, there was still, I, I think, a large uh, amount of the population really felt like if you just kind of committed to this job um, and made a lot of money, you could stay in that job for thirty years, retire with your gold watch, and uh, then kind of live your life. And you know, there was an there's an in, the systemic problem with that is this idea that it kind of um, speaks to this phrase that um, one of the gentlemen we interviewed uh, by the name of Randy Komazar spoke to. He said. No, that's that's kind of this idea of a deferred life plan, this idea that I will sacrifice who I am today for the promise of being able to be who I want to be in the future. And the challenge there is there's just no guarantee. There's no guarantee we will make it to that future or that the world will be as we expect it. Um, and then I think you add... So that's like, that was like the systemic problem with which we grew up in and which road trip started. But I think the way the world has changed... Um, over the last 10, 15 years, is that everything is just quicker. People are not staying in one job. They're having, uh, you know, on average six, seven, eight jobs in their lifetime. And it's not... um, It's not acceptable or realistic to think that there is this guarantee that if you make one sacrifice here, um, that it'll pay off in the end. And so I think we're forced to find our way through the madness through the uncertainty in a way that that's kind of unprecedented and I think some people are really succeeding most of the people that we interview are really succeeding by doing but by finding that their course through that uncertainty uh, by being true to themselves and I think that that has been a consistent piece um, that we've seen is that this element of authenticity to be able to kind of buck the noise of society, to, to resist um, kind of that influence that is just not true to yourself is really, really important, but you still do, it, it, I don't want to, I don't want your audience to confuse what I'm saying with, um, what I'm not saying is everybody should be, should be these really outlandish, wild careers, you should go be a circus performer, right. you should be a painter. I think being true and authentic to yourself is the same whether you're a kick-ass accountant, a lawyer, a doctor, or a circus performer.
0: Right, I know, I, I find a lot of uh, people now are saying, you know, uh, there's a lot of just give it all up and you know travel the world and, or go live on an island, but you're right, it's not for everyone, and, it, and you can also fashion your life Around a lot of things that might have been, you know, that might not be considered the most exciting career in the world. I think you're absolutely right, and I love that approach because you don't go and just find people that are doing, um, you know, the outlier type things. You're you're finding people that are true to themselves, doing all kinds of careers. And so, what would you say are some of the points in? how to determine that. And I know you just wrote a book um, called uh, Roadmap, The Get It Together Guide for figuring out what to do with your life, which um, is amazing. It sounds like it has exercises and things to help you figure out what your sort of true compass is. Do you have any advice on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, more specifically, your, your question was just how to find, what's the advice on finding your true compass? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think what the book does is, and what it forced us to do, you know, I think, like, to back up a little bit, the history behind the book was that for the last, you know, up for the first 12 to 13 years of Road Trip Nation before this book came along, we really were taking a very hands-off approach. Um, We were basically saying, um, here's a bunch of stories of how people figured it out, Listen, listen to those stories, and, and good luck. We hope it works for you. Right. But we weren't really sitting there and saying, well, what have we learned? You know, we've interviewed over 1,000 people for the last 15 years all across the world. We've certainly learned something. We've seen the consistent trends. We've seen what people have uh, done and not done. Um, and, and so with this book, we really forced ourselves to say, like, do we have our own philosophy? And if we do, what is that? And it, it, it turned out we did. Um, I think what took so long is we didn't want to become the noise for somebody else. We went, didn't want to say, well, here's the prescription. You, you need to do A, B, and C, and then you'll make it work. Um, and so what we created in the book is something that we feel is really true and representative in the real world. Um, we created an open framework so that the reader can really use this book as a tool to guide them on their own path, but not. Um, but it's not a prescription. It's not a guarantee of, you know, do these things and you will have uh, a perfect, happy life. I think work, life is really tricky and messy. And so what we have seen and what we've teased out is kind of this open framework that's consistent with all these people that we interviewed. And we encapsulate that framework in the book as this kind of idea of self-construction. And it's this circular loop of... Um, this process we call, we break down into let go, define, become. The idea is you let go of the noise of society, that cultural narrative that's inconsistent with your own authentic self. You define who you are and and what what you want to be in this next iteration. And then you go out to become that thing. And then the the follow-up to that is that we all change and we all evolve. And so you go through this process again. And this is something that we've seen... Very, very consistently with everybody that we've interviewed, that that you're evolving and continuing to become yourself. I think that one of the most shocking things that we had on the on the road trips is, you know, sitting down with somebody like the founder of Starbucks or um, the director of Saturday Night Live or Wanda Sykes. You expect them to all say, "Well, I always knew I wanted to do this, and this is how I figured it out." Right. <laughs> and what we are so surprised by is more often than not, they felt the need to give us this disclaimer that they're still figuring it out. And so we really wanted to create a book and a guide that was true to both the process of figuring it out, but didn't sell this short-sighted idea that like you figure it out once and then you're done. So the book is, is, is really a representation of that.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. One of your quotes was figuring out how you fit into the world isn't an equation you solve once. And I think that's so true. And it's so funny. A lot of times I have a friend who calls it chapters of your life because, um, each chapter is distinct, but connected. And it's funny how a lot of people, like you said, even if they, um, are incredibly successful and seem very grounded in whatever they're doing, it it was a very curvy road to get there. Mm -hmm. And um, what's interesting is to kind of give yourself the leeway, I think, to try some things and like you said, um, work through sort of what, what fits for you. But how do you, one of the things I think that's the biggest problem is, you know, getting rid of the noise because I think now it's more than ever you're just bombarded with the noise of either what other people are doing, what makes them happy, um, what you feel should make you happy, and do you have any, anything to, you know, any um, advice on sort of cutting through that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think, you know, it, it, if I were to reflect back on my own story and then kind of come up to this piece, The noise was so corrosive to my own self that I started telling family members um, a a lie. And it was kind of, you know, those uh, barbecue, family barbecue conversations where the uncle comes up and is like, oh, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do with your life? Right. Uh, Those stressed me out so much. And so what I started to do was... uh, I realized that if I said I'm going to be a business major and I'm going to become a management consultant, that that was like the perfect answer for what that uncle <laughs> aunt wanted to hear, and and the, convert, the awkward conversation ended there. And they said, "Oh, that's really cool." Uh, we well, passed the ketchup. Right. <laughs> uh, so I, I quickly learned that if I just t- said this thing, it got me out of those difficult places. I didn't have to resist the noise if I if I truly said what I was feeling. Oh. I want to be an artist, but I don't really know how to get there." I think I would have gotten a bunch of noise about, well, you're a pretty bad artist, which was true. Uh, you should abandon that. Go be a doctor or a lawyer. Okay. And so the 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 piece and the most important thing I would say is be really careful about how you internalize that noise, because the noise told me I wasn't good enough to be an artist. Um, so I created this lie that that was about business management that everybody liked, and then literally I became that lie. I, I was a senior in college, handing out my resume to a consultant at, I think, Arthur Anderson or something at the time, and realized that I had just become that lie that I'd been telling for that, or was about to become that lie that I was telling. And I think the 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 point there is to be really careful about when you start to um let the noise really affect your own sense you know this this noise external is one thing but when it comes internal and it becomes part of your own conversation you know that that trend that becomes self-doubt right for me the most important way in which to block that noise was to get exposure i grew up with the idea that I liked being creative, that I liked the arts, but the only exposure I had to that was the occupation of a painter. And so when I told people I wanted to be a painter, everybody laughed at it, and they should. Like, I was a really bad painter. I just didn't know that there were all these other ways. To, to be, be involved
0: as a creative person.
1: Exactly, I mean, the, the interesting thing about like, who I am uh, as a person, I'm a bad I like making stuff, but I'm actually, like, not an expert at making any one thing. Like, I couldn't get around Photoshop very well. Uh, My six-year-old daughter can paint a flower better than I can. Um, But I, I do have this deep understanding about how things could or should look better. And it wasn't until probably a month into our first road trip where I met a creative director, um, He's a creative director and did all the design work for Burton Snowboards. And it was just like this eye-opening experience where I saw a different application to being creative that matched my strengths and, and avoided the weaknesses that I had. Um, and then also comb- combined this interest that I had in snowboarding. And it was just this magical moment of seeing that is possible. And had I had this example of Michael Jagger, before those family barbecues, I could have said, you know what, I'm really interested in the action sports industry. I like the creative pursuits. I'm not a very good designer, but I know I can contribute in this role as a creative director. That's a, that's a totally profoundly different path my life would have gone had I had that exposure. So I think so much of like, the first bit of advice, I would say, is watch the noise and get exposure to validate the things that you're interested in so that you don't accept the noise as fact.
0: Well, I think it's also, don't you think, important to, you know, be careful who you share that dream with because a <laughs> lot of people will just crush you and then you become, there's the self-doubt. I think it's a, it's kind of a careful walk you have to do in that um, you stop the noise, but you also don't share it with people who are just going to say Oh, forget about it. You know, you're, right. you're done because that can be, you know, when you're starting out and you still haven't gotten those little bits of um, affirmation. I think it's really tough. Um, but I was also curious, um, what when you um, when you tell someone to explore things, ha- have you learned anything from all of your interviews about uh, what are the best ways to explore? What sort of makes you happy? What might fulfill you?
1: Well, I mean, obviously from from our experience, talking to real people doing that thing is like the absolute best way. Um, But often you don't know what that thing is. Right. Um, And so we really think in terms of like baby steps. Um, We interviewed this woman, from Google, and she, she had this beautiful analogy. Uh, the road trippers were kind of asking her, like, how did you, how did you get there? Like, you've, you're so successful. Um, and and she really kind of put this beautiful analogy together where she said, you know, you don't, what you see in me now is this person who has been successful who could get up on stage and speak to you know, 20,000 people and never flinch. But that's the equivalent of looking at somebody swimming in the ocean and fully comfortable she's like when I go to the beach I, I dip my toe in and it's freezing and so I run back to the sand and then I get to my knees and I run back to the sand what what we what what she was really saying was like you have to find these little ways to keep getting exposure to that interest and sometimes the the little ways are like if you like art follow some artists on twitter uh, Instagram is an amazing thing because people are really sharing these viewpoints with what it, like, what it, what it is like to do that thing that they do. Um, so I would say like start really small. Think about like the top five interests you have and find people on Twitter that are doing those things and follow them. Uh, do the same thing on Instagram and see which visuals, what conversations really captivate you. Um, go to a magazine stand the magazine stand is the most beautiful example of a way to explore interest. It's ultimately how, probably one of the, the greatest ways we find people to interview because you can say, hmm, we've got a road tripper that's really interested in sports. Let's grab a magazine. And when you have a sports magazine, it's the world of that interest, but it's not just the athletes, it's the statisticians, it's the bloggers, it's the writers, it's the designers. It's a beautiful representation of what an interest can manifest to. So I would say, like, the the dipping the toe in the water is social media. The, like, get to your calf is, like, magazine subscriptions, um, you know, internships. And then actually cold calling people and asking them to share their story is, like, insanely powerful. And um, not only are you getting the ability to exp- explore something, but you're making deep personal relationships and the conversations, the types of conversations we have. I'm still in contact with a number of people that we interviewed 15 years earlier. And and instead of them being like my idols now, they are my mentors and peers. And it's really, really exciting.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting because a lot of people are afraid to do that. But if someone is truly... um happy and um, excited about their career. They want to share that with people. They love talking about it. That's why they're in it. So I, I agree. You have to really reach out. and It's surprising how much help you'll get or, or the amount of people that will just, just say, yes, I'd love to talk to you about that.
1: I mean, it's crazy. Like, I mean, <laughs> we, we interviewed Michael Dell, who started Dell Computers, obviously, and I got to him from dialing the one eight hundred number that was on the commercial that I was watching <laughs> five minutes earlier. Right. Like, there's no reason Michael Dell would have wanted to interview me. I was a you know broke college student with no credentials. But you are exactly right. Like he cared about being in that moment. He remembered what it was like to tell his parents that he didn't want to be a doctor. And the same thing was Sandra Day O'Connor. Like I. I cold-called Sandra Day O'Connor from the U.S. Supreme Court's website, and I dialed the tour and information number.
0: <laughs> I love that. You know what? People forget about that old-fashioned way of calling people mm-hmm. because email can be ignored, but there's something about a, a call um, you know, with a real human on the other line that you can get through somehow, roundabout, and not give up. I love oh, yeah. that, yeah. It's, it's,
1: it's the scariest way to ask, but <laughs> yes. it is also the hardest way to say no for the person on the other end of the phone. Okay. It's easier to ignore an email or delete it. Um, you know, ignore a tweet or delete an email, but uh, when you're talking to somebody live, it's very different.
0: And you know, the other thing you talked about is, don't, if you look at someone who's really successful and you say, oh, I wanna do that, and and, and what, what they've accomplished scares you to death, or what they had to go through you like she said you have to look at at all their stops and starts that they went through to get it now when you interview people do you usually go back into you know all the false starts or the failures that it took to get where they are because a lot of times you don't people don't think about that
1: Oh, absolutely I mean that's that's where we start I think um, our conversations are not the typical um, we we are anything other than journalists. Um, we actually, in terms of the road trippers that we want to join us on the road, we gen- we typically don't select journalists because they think that uh, you're supposed to sound smart. Our successful cold callers and our most successful, I would say, conversationalers, if that's a word, are those who are just deeply interested about learning. Um, and so we always start our conversations where with sharing where we are at and then asking them where were they at when they were our age and it's this kind of reciprocity that the more open you are the more open they are and it's, it's amazing I mean I think it's really easy to say um, to assume that people already ha- always had it figured out to say oh Howard Schultz from Starbucks always knew he wanted to be um, into, into coffee and Wanda Sykes was probably the funniest person ever, and just breezed right into comedy. And uh, David Nealman from JetBlue, he knew exactly that he always, from day one, wanted to start his own airline. But what we found in having these deep and open conversations is that Howard Schultz was the first in his family to go to college, and he was so poor in college that he was donating blood to eat. Wow. And you had Wanda Sykes, who loved, loved, and was interested in comedy, but was was so nervous about it that it took her, she was working at um, the NSA for like seven or eight years before she- Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. She she spent like seven or eight years at the NSA before she fully committed to comedy. She was doing nightclubs at night and then going back and then diving into national security. And then you have like David Nealman who started JetBlue Airlines. Like he was a vice president at, at, uh, Southwest Airlines and was fired. And he worked his own kind of sense of self-doubt and um, confusion back up to then start his own airline.
0: Amazing. Well now, um, since we don't have much time left, um, could you just give us a little roundup of what people can go to your website and find to help them, um, help them make these next steps into fi- finding a fulfilling uh, career? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, I think that the, the, the website is roadtripnation.com, and what we have there is uh, a really extensive collection of our work over the last 15 years. So we have a television series on public television uh, that we're currently filming season 13 right now, so there's about 116 episodes on, online. And then um, the biggest piece is what we uh, call our interview archive. So every interview that we've done on the TV show, uh, on other road trips, we put up online for people to explore. And probably the most important tool I would encourage people to go um, use is the roadmap. So um, it's the center center to our website and it's also um, deeply tied into the book and the roadmap the, road, the roadmap is this application of combining your interests with the thing that you are fundamentally um, drawn to. And in, doing, in selecting an interest in a foundation, you get to see the personification of all these different people that have made livelihoods around those similar interests. And um, that would be the place I would start, and the, the book is another great way to dive into it.
0: Well, this is just fantastic. Thank you so much, Nathan. Um, I know that I'll continue to watch, and I, and I think you're, I mean, you've not only started a business, but an incredible service to people who are really asking for more in their lives. So thank you so much.
1: Well, Ingrid, thank you very much for the time. I very much appreciated it and enjoyed the conversation.
0: Thank you. For more information, go to ChakaLife.com.